In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I cannot hear today's gospel without remembering Christmas's past at midnight, the excitement of staying up late, of going to church in the dark. For me, the late service on Christmas Eve was magical. The crash, the Christmas story, the carols and anthems, the wild poetry of the sermon, and finally, communion the holy food and drink of new and unending life made so poignant by the fact that baby Jesus began his life in a feeding trough. And finally, just at the point when the service would normally end, when we would be blessed and dismissed to go on our way, instead, a hush descended over all. Acolytes would tiptoe down the steps with torches and begin lighting the little tapers we had all received at the door when we came in. As the overhead lights were dimmed, candle tip touched candle tip, passing light from row to row like some amazing piece of news. And before we knew it, the whole church was aglow with little points of flame. The organ then began to play Silent Night, and in soft voices, we would sing. Many of us had been there hours at this point, having arrived long before the 10.30 carol concert by the choir in order to get a seat. And by midnight, the church had grown warm with our breath and our bodies, and fragrant with the vestiges of frankincense used to sense the gospel and the altar. At the end of the third verse, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, when it really felt that all of us had somehow been transported to Bethlehem and were kneeling with the shepherds and the holy family and marveling at this wondrous child, another silence descended, and from deep within the darkened sanctuary rose a resounding voice. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In this way, the beginning of John's Gospel, that most marvelous recapitulation of all creation, became both the last word of Christmas and the first word of all that was to come. It would be this word that we would carry forth into the night when at last we filed out of church. It was this that would turn the whole Christmas story into prayer. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, 
and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. As we filed into the darkness, each holding our little taper, we knew that we could not live without God. God was not an entity, but a story, a voice speaking life into existence, speaking us into existence, making us human, not because of our brains or our hands or our craft, but because of our ability to bring the world to life through the stories we wove with one another. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Hearing these words, some of the most beautiful I have ever heard, I would see God's glory in all those tiny pinpricks of light filing out of the darkened church. And this would become symbolic for me in ways that it would take me years to express of the strangeness, the majesty, the diversity, the separateness, the togetherness, and finally, the danger of being human. So great was the power of this, this word that according to one Christmas legend, at midnight on Christmas Eve, even the animals are given the gift of speech. At this darkest and deadest time of year, Christmas comes as a celebration of new life. Not just new life, but renewed life. The Jews of Jesus' time thought they had been fatally crushed by Rome. Christians of our time fear that we may have fatally crushed the earth. But in the middle of the night, a child is born, a word spoken. The great third century Christian thinker Origen calls John's prologue the first fruits of the gospel. He continues, the greater and more perfect expression concerning Jesus are reserved for the one who lay on Jesus' breast. Gathered at another meal, a young disciple lays his head over Jesus' heart, just as in the prologue, the son lies at the heart of God and hears that living heart beating. In the beginning was the word, says this heart. We are the stories we tell. And the stories of God, say John's gospel, come not from the head, but from the beating heart. The heart, not the brain, is the seat of our humanity. The wisdom of the heart is the wisdom of compassion. And the word became flesh and lived among us. 
And so today, we listen to Isaiah. The prophet in this chapter speaks not of doctrines or information, but of restoration and increase. Even though Israel is in exile and thinks she has lost everything, she hasn't, because she is still the beloved of God. God's favor is not dependent upon success or occupation of land. God's favor is dependent upon loving God. To love God is to be always the bridegroom with his garland and the bride with her jewels. To love God is to love a living earth that sends up fertile shoots. This reading from Isaiah comes from chapter 61, well known in both Jesus' time and our own you will at once recognize its beginning. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These will be the words with which Jesus will begin his ministry and which we will hear in church on the third Sunday after Epiphany, this January 24th. I have come to bring good news. God will set you free. If we are, in fact, the stories we tell, more often we can't tell that story as we are forced to live in stories told about us by others, stories about success, about failure, and what others think it means to be real. And to live inside someone else's story, no matter what a good story it is, and how successful I am at living up to it, is finally not to live inside my own. But even in the darkest night, God tells a story of gratitude. God tells a story that the universe loves me. I may be unemployed. I may be uncertain about my place in the world. But this story says that I am God's beloved. And to know that changes everything. If I don't yet know my own story, and if you're like me, it will take you decades to find that mysterious tale, I can tell God's story. I can tell God's story when I wake up and when I lay down. I can tell God's story when I leave my home and when I walk down the street. And if I practice living in a universe where the darkness does not have the power to overwhelm me, bit by bit, like a child learning to walk, I will, in fact, discover that that is true. We are the stories we tell. And the key word here is practice. We are a species that thinks we know a great deal more than we do. We are far better when we depend not on our knowledge, but upon our practice. I become the stories I tell. 
Think about this. Pray about this. What is it that you say about yourself? What do you believe is the true story of our world? In the current darkness of our time, and this current darkness is quite real, are we telling a story of ending or a story of beginning? Christmas always raises questions about life because Christmas is the season when a baby is born and when long-forgotten stories are told around the dinner table. To celebrate the divine child, we return to our own childhoods, to the families that birthed us and to whom we gave birth. We remember members of our families who are no longer with us. This is a time when memories can overwhelm, when the past can rise up to haunt us, when we do wonder about the future. The dark mystery of human freedom, writes former Grace Cathedral Dean Alan Jones, is that God allows us to construct unrealities as if they were real. And as any family gathering reminds us, there are always many versions of any shared story. And in my family, at least, we have argued bitterly over whose version was real. But that's not the point. Of course there are going to be different versions because no one of us sees the same thing in the same way. The question is not about real. The question is, how can we weave all of those different versions together until they become the whole story? To all who received him, who believe in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. It is trust in the divine that lifts us above all the fear that earthly life can throw at it. There is the world story. There's always the world story. It's always wrong, but it's always interesting. And then there is God's story, which is always right, but very hard to figure out. The great Swiss visionary Carl Jung took all this on in his monumental Red Book. And at its beginning, he wrote of himself, the spirit of this time, the world story, would like to hear of use and value. But the spirit of the depths forced me down to the last and simplest things. A hard journey for an intellectual to go to the last and simplest things. But both John and Jung tell us that we find God not by ascending to the heights of what might be, to the heights of our genius, but by descending to the depths of who we are. Thus, the word became flesh and lived among us. 
God meets us in the very depths of our being, not where we are brilliant and accomplished and all put together, but where we are ignorant, afraid, and lost, where we are babes, just as Jesus was a babe. To let go of my own light is to become the wick for God's light. And now I'll get real. All this is far easier said than done. It is why finding God, finding light, love, and belonging is never an accomplishment. It is always a practice, and it continues being practiced all the way until we leave this life and go and meet God in the next. And I know that because even the greatest saints never reach the point where they say, I'm done. So, every Christmas, we tell the story of the Christ child. We sing Silent Night, and we light candles as points of light in the darkness. It is a story so simple that a child's eyes will light up with delight in the telling of it. It is a story so profound that though we tell it year after year, it is still new. It never loses its power to transform, to make the old and tired world a fresh, new, and sparkling world. That little light glowing in a manger in Bethlehem reminds us that the humble can be deeply beautiful that our vaunted human intelligences are but shimmering points of light in a huge, vast universe that loves us. If we can see each other, our individual lights will grow stronger. For true power consists not in besting one another in the field of competition, but in lighting one another up. We are the stories we tell. We are part of a story that did not begin with us and will not end with us, but cannot get on without us. We are all part of the word. We are all part of God. We are called to be light in the darkness. Amen. Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.